0: Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Brent Jensen Music, and while you're there on YouTube, check out my new video show called Thursday Night Record Club. No Sleep Till Sudbury is brought to you by Pariah Pickups. What you want, what you need, what you love. Check them out at pariahpickups.com. All right, welcome back to part two of my chat with Stormforce guitarist, former Brighton rock guitar player, Mr. Greg Fraser. You'll recall that in the previous episode, we talked up his new single, cover of Alanis Morissette's song, Uninvited. This week, we're gonna talk to Fraser about the skin vibrating songs he selected for this episode. Here we go. All right, so your skin vibration song list is based on a theme. And that theme is debut singles or songs from a debut album.
1: Yeah. uh, You ever hear like a song, you know, from like a debut record, like, you know, a a new, fresh sound. But, you know, you you hear lots of them. but every once in a while, you'll hear one that just literally like it stops you in your tracks and go, wait a minute, what is this? it It just sounds so new and fresh and it's like, what the heck man like wow what what is this and you just you literally you're almost frozen like, especially back you know when, when you're young and stuff like that because you know music's such an important thing back then like radio it's itself was so important to us back then yeah and uh yeah so uh my my first song or unless you want to do you want to do int- introduce it or
0: <laughs> yeah no the you, you brought the rock here phrase the first song is richie blackmore's rainbow man on the silver mountain
1: yeah, so that's 1975. Let me see. I would have been about 12 years old then, and uh, I started playing guitar when I was around 10, mm-hmm. which is which is like 1973. Uh, one year before that, 1972. That's when a couple of songs that really influenced me, uh, one being Deep Purple "Smoke on the Water," mm-hmm. and and another one "School's Out" by Alice Cooper. They nice. both came out in yeah, they both came out in 1972. And they're guitar-driven songs, but they got really catchy, you know, rememberable choruses. Uh, and and uh, I just love, like, you know, air guitar. And like, wow, listen to that. Uh, 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 you know, <laughs> just – and, you know, I, I've, I've heard lots of other guitar players over the years saying that was a, a, a big song for them also the one that got them to play guitar or stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so a year, year later, I got my first guitar, you know, 1973. So I started playing it, you know, for a couple of years. And then I heard Man of the Silver Mountain on the radio which is like 1975. And I was like, wow, what is that, man? That's a great riff. You know, dun, 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 now, 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 <laughs> down, 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 And then the singing came in with Ryan James Dio and it's Dio and it's like, wow. And then they mentioned Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple. I went, wait a minute, that's the same guy from the, just smoke in the water, that's right. you know? And I put two and two together. and it's like, wow. So I was a, a big fan, so I uh, that song really made me want to play guitar. That one, and and uh, like I said earlier with, with, with Smoke in the Water, but once I once I had a guitar in my hand, I was determined to learn that riff. And it's not really that hard once you find out where the notes are. It's uh, the thing about you know, getting some younger guitar players, they're like, Oh, that's so easy. So, yeah, it might be easy to play, but coming up with the initial idea is not as easy as you think it is. I mean, because everybody'd be writing a smoke in the water, you know, like, right. why has why is smoke in the water still around to this day you still hear it on the radio you know somebody had to come up with the initial riff right and and it just sticks in your brain and and that particular riffs man of silver mountain even to this day when i hear it i gotta immediately crank it up it's like yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) it still it still does it for me that you know um and, and you can't go wrong with Dio's vocals. That's his, Oh, yeah. You know, that really put him on the map. I know he was in a, a group called Elf before that, but they never really made any waves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that uh, that really got me going, man. I mean, uh, Richie Blackmore was a huge influence on me starting out, like, more, more as a, a lead guitar player. Yeah. I was more... As a songwriter, I was always more into Jimmy Page and and, and 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 Led Zeppelin. You know, I was a I was a big fan of his lead playing, also for sure. But the Richie Blackmore's first record, you know, and then Rainbow Rising, and then Long Live Rock and Roll, of course, and then the, the live album On Stage was a a real big record for me because uh, he would jam like you know they'd take a song that's normally four minutes and they'd play it for like twenty minutes and they'd have this long instrumental. Ah, uh, just literally just jamming. So I would jam along with the songs, trying to figure out what he's playing, and then you know try try to play off of him and learn. You know, I learned how to play keys and stuff like that. Like, oh, okay, this is all he's playing this all in A. So then you try to learn from that. So yeah, it was a you know that that was a long, it was a big learning part for me, like learning how to play like you know when i first started playing guitar uh you know you, you get your initial guitar lessons but you know i remember the guy's name was tony manella school of music yeah and and he teaches it but it's he you know he'll teach you twinkle twinkle little star and mary had a little <laughs> lamb and you know and basic chords like a c and a G and a D and an a just to get you going but you know, he, he had no idea about rock and roll and stuff like that, you know, like to him, the big rock song was, was house of the rising sun. That was Mm. his big, you know, which is kind of cool to play when you're first learning how to play guitar, but but I wanted to rock. I wanted to do some power, power (laughs) chords. So, you know, I really had to learn that on my own and guys that are a little bit older than me, I would I'd watch them and they'd kind
0: of teach me stuff here and there. But uh, yeah, so that
1: that song really kind of you know got me going.
0: So you had told me in the past that you used to listen to records and figure out how to play lead, but like you you use that do re mi fa sol la ti do thing, right?
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's the basic scale. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you were starting, you know, say you got a C chord mm-hmm. and and you hit that C note and you mm-hmm. go, do, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, re, mi, fa, you just keep doing that scale all the way up the neck. Yeah. Right. And find out, you know, like you find, a, like a, you, you start to memorize where, where that is. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, so say you're playing, uh, you know, once you know, once you find where those notes are and you memorize where they are on your neck, mm-hmm. even you start small. You don't go from the top to the very bottom of the neck right to the top. Just maybe your you know, their first, you know, 3 or 4 frets. Okay. And and everywhere you are in those 4 frets, find where those notes are. Da 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 and then mix it up. Don't go in order. Da 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 and then if you're playing a C chord and a G and a D, play those three chords around in those notes but you know bend the notes you know skip notes but all the i'll find all those notes and then that's that's how you learn how to do leads and then you know if you start an a minor and an f and a g now you're and still playing the c major chord Mm -hmm. it all fits so if you're playing C major scale, duh, 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 and then you're playing an A, so all of a sudden you start a song with A minor, A minor, G, F, and you're playing that C major, those C major notes, but you're playing it in a minor key, it all works. It all sits in there. That's how you start figuring that, you know, you can kind of just learn that as it goes, but after a while, it all makes sense you know so then you start learning your relative minor so your c is would be an a sharp mm-hmm. right so then if you go up two frets you, uh, if you do a d major a b minor would be the relative minor so you know and then and just keep going up the neck and you start figuring it out and uh and then once you you know the scale it's just a matter of playing around with it you know and then and then you can start playing in between the notes instead of duh duh you go duh 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 duh, you know you find out what what middle notes will work and then you you know take it from there right but it's i mean i'm still learning today i've been playing guitar for 45 years and i'm still picking up stuff you know so it's never ends but that's what i love about it there's always there's always something new on the horizon you know
0: wow that is so cool that that is the basic blueprint for it is lead guitar it
1: is it is. I mean, that's your scale. I mean, it, as boring as it sounds, but that—that's <laughs> your scale. That's a, that's your learning scale. And then you know, the, you, then you start learning how to do like the Egyptian scales and the you know mm. the, all these different. You know, I don't know all the terms.
0: Mixolydian.
1: Yeah. See, I don't know all that stuff. I I, I I might I might know how to play some of them but I don't know the names because sometimes I'll, I'll play with guys that are school guitar players and they're, Hey, isn't that blah, blah, blah. I go, I have no idea. Wow. <laughs> See,
0: that's hey. funny. Cause I, I kind of feel like I've seen you play those scales. Like, cause you, yeah. you, you're not like, you know, you can identify the pentatonic players, right? Like slash right. is a big pentatonic player yeah. uh, and it's blues based, but I've sure. seen you play some pretty complex stuff that is outside, you know, the typical blues scales that I feel might've been like mixolydian and all those.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, and a, a big part of that was Richie Blackmore. I mean, a, a, lot, of, a lot of his stuff is, is, is classical. It's not blues. It's more in the classical, especially when mm-hmm. he just started, doing, started doing the rainbow stuff and you start listening to Rainbow Rising and, and stuff like that. He mm-hmm. really starts, everything's in a minor key. He rarely does anything in a major key. Something about a lot of minor keys really draw me in. It's it, there's more of a mood there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know why, but it just seems I seem to be attracted to a, a lot of it. You know? And uh, yeah, it's just you know I do love the blues. I mean don't, don't get me wrong, but sometimes I, I sometimes I get bored with it. You know what I mean? It, it just seems it it seems uh, overdone sometimes. I mean, you know no, don't get me wrong. There's some blues guitar players out there that just you know Joe Bonamassa and stuff like that are just unbelievable right yeah. you know yeah but they take it to a whole new level they're not just st- st- staying you know in the old johnny be good chuck berry uh, <laughs> blue scales right you know what you've heard 10 trillion times you oh, know? Yeah. so so there you go yeah and, <laughs>
0: no i get what you're saying it can be you know a little bit monotonous just because it's it's so limited or it can be right for sure for sure. But we talked about that last week. I mean you're a tasteful player and you understand the difference the the balance and you know not to overplay and play the right notes at the right times and all that stuff. So
1: Well that that's that's a huge to me, what makes a great guitar solo. I mean it, it should continue on from the vocal melody. I think I mentioned before, like a, a perfect example is somebody like Neil Sean from Journey. I mean, you could hum his leads mm-hmm. without even hearing the song. They just like, it's just like a boca melody, you know? It, that's what I kind of strive for. But every once in a while you want to show off and, oh, look what I learned. Gonna... <laughs> 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 oh, I don't think everybody did this before. Check this out, right? You want to kind of slide, you know, some of that stuff in there once in a while. A little flash,
0: you know? <laughs> well, that but you know what? That makes it interesting. And, and sure. we, we talked about your lead at the end of uh, Uninvited and you do you play those nice long tasteful notes but then you you add like a little multi note burst in there and that that's the balance
1: yeah a little flurry here and there well it's, sometimes it's 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 hard to resist you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's like man I should just blaze right here but you kind of you're you're kind of holding it back you know because you want to you know it, it's all a feel thing you know oh yeah it's it, 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 it's it's all feel I mean a perfect example for feel is that lead for comfortably numb, from, oh. uh, but you know, David Gilmore and Pink Floyd, I mean, that lead there, I mean, he could start blazing if he wants, but it's not necessary cause he, he just, he just milks that, that lead. It's just, oh, it's, you know, it feels so good. It just feels so right. You wouldn't want somebody coming in there and, and ruining it by overplaying, you know? So that's
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Next you have Boston more than a feeling.
1: Yeah, we've discussed the song like this in the past. Uh, I, what's the one by ACDC? You shook me all night long. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: you know, what I mean, when that first song, when you first heard it, it was unbelievable. You, you play it over and over. Oh my god, it's the greatest song of all time. And then, you know, as time goes on, it's like, okay, well, I'm good with it. You know, if I don't hear it for a few more years, I'm I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with "More in the Feeling," right? You know, if I I hear it now, I've, I've heard it so much. I mean, that came out in 1976. So I'm 13 years old, but when it did come out, the very first time that came out, it literally stopped me in my tracks because, you know, not only was it, was it you know, a, a new fresh sound, but the sound of his guitar was nothing I've heard before. I mean, up to that point, it was very hard to get a good guitar sound, especially uh, if you're not a professional musician. I mean, any amp that I had back then, they didn't have preamps on it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you, you know, is it, it just it, you could turn it loud, but there was no distortion. It's just clean. So you couldn't really. There's no sustain. You really had a fight to get notes. So then you had to buy some pedals and stuff. So I remember my first like distortion pedal was a Maestro Fuzz Tane, and <laughs> <laughs> just big, huge. Looks like a lunchbox. A big, huge, oversized thing, and, it, and when you weren't playing, the thing went... <sighs> oh my God. You know, so it made that noise until you hit a chord, and it would kind of cancel that noise out, so you you gotta you kind of had to play the whole time while that thing was on, you know? It would, it would give you distortion and some sustain, but it didn't sound good. It just sounded dirty, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, you really, even before Boston, you know, there's a lot of groups that had some distortion on their guitars and stuff like that, but nothing that separated their sound from anybody else's sound. They all kind of had a similar to Marshall Strat with a, you know, with a Strat or a Marshall with a Les Paul. It's a typical sound back then. And mm-hmm. it's, you know it sounded great. I mean, some killer, killer bands had that. But when Boston first came out, Tom Schultz's sound was, was unbelievable to me. I yeah. mean, it, it just had this distortion that was so clean and precise and as good and his and the tones of his leads, you know they really popped out. They had a lot of sustain, but they didn't sound tinny or, or too twangy. They had a real scope to them, and and the, and the songwriting was unbelievable. I mean, the the twelve string guitar and the six string, you know, all mixed in with the organ and the harmonies, and the, and the songs were all so well written. And then when you buy the record, it one song just flowed into the next song, and uh, yeah. So more in the feeling that uh, you know that that song was was huge for me uh, because it introduced me to Boston and uh that record was it, you know to me it was a masterpiece oh I mean, yeah uh, it, you know for the way it all just came together and, and one song into the others it was it to me it's epic you know and uh, I, I remember hearing uh you and uh your co-host there on uh, uh
0: thursday night record club
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys were talking about that record you're dissecting it and uh and i and i think uh the good you're a co-host. I forgot the guy's name. I'm sorry. Alex, Alex. Alex. Heard. Yeah. 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 And he's, he's a little younger. And, uh, so some of the, some of the songs he wouldn't get, you know, we, he wouldn't, uh, he, he didn't get like I got when I first heard it because, mm-hmm. you know, now, you know, now, you know, how many years later is that, you know, from 76 till now, anybody can get that Boston sound. It's so easy, man. I got a, I got a little Marshall combo or not a Marshall, a little Marshall cube amp. I think I bought a brand new for 80 bucks. Oh. It's not, you know what I mean? It sounds killer. Yeah. It, it sounds killer, you know? And, uh, if I had that, that little amp back in 1976, I mean, people would have been, been flipping out, like, you know, oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? But now it's like, it's so easy to get that sound now. And he, plus Tom Schultz, the guitar player boss, and he created the, the Rockman and stuff like that. and, you know, Def Leppard used that for most of all the records. Mutt M- Lang was a big fan of that rockman and mm-hmm. used that for all Pyromania and Hysteria and all that stuff. For mostly, like mostly all the guitars. Late '80s, I forget the exact year. We, uh, my, my band, Brighton Rock, got to open for Boston at oh, Cops wow. Colise- at Cops Coliseum in Hamilton. So, if you were to tell me, tell me when I was 13 years old, get my mind blown by this band that I'd be opening up for them. 20 years later whatever it was I, I wouldn't have believed you that's for sure you know and uh, and that was so cool because uh, the, the Boston show itself that was their first show of that particular tour so for their sound check just instead of them just running through a few songs they did the entire show with full lights just oh, to make wow. sure all, all the lighting cues were there and all the sound there and Tom Schultz, the guitar player spent most of his time back at the soundboard making sure the sounds all right and watching the lights and and there's literally nobody in the entire audience. Like, you know, the you know the Roku's walking around. Some of the you know guys in our band are running around. I'm just like, I'm about. I picked up about six rows back, dead center, all by myself, just looking at the stage, looking at Brad Delp. I'm going, I can't believe what I'm watching right now. I'm the only person sitting down in this entire arena right now. That's <laughs> I got unbelievable. A show. Eh? Oh yeah, it was unbelievable. It was. It was. You know, talk about making the hairs on your on your uh, arms stand up. Oh, because <laughs> yeah. I'm here. You know, I'm, this is the first time I'm seeing Boston, by the way, too, you know. I never got to see him before that. So, like, you know, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're playing. Oh, I love that. I love that song, too. Oh, my God, you know. It was so cool, and they were so tight. And, uh, you know, most when you go watch a band, they got a couple of uh, Marshall Stacks behind them and, you know, a bass rig. What they had behind them looked like NASA. It, it, it looked like just all these like couldn't like all these boxes with tons of knobs and meters and light splashing. And it's, it's all, you know, whatever he invented back then. eh? and yeah. it was, it was like, wow, what am I looking at here? Like, <laughs> Jesus, look at this, it's- and it sounded spectacular, man. They were so good, you know. And uh, and Brad Delp, man, you know, God bless him. He, you know, unfortunately he passed away. But there's a, there's another guy that's you never really hear when mm-hmm. they talk about great great singers because he is a great singer, man. Holy God, you
0: know. Yeah, he had great range, eh?
1: Great range and and great vocal melodies. I don't know if uh, Tom wrote the melodies, but uh, or the lyrics stuff like that. But yeah, man, it, it's a uh, great range though. I mean, there's, some of that stuff is really hard to sing and. Uh, you know i, I remember when the, when the record came out I, a few years later i'd see bands trying to play boston and they could never really pull it off you know cuz mm. it's cuz it's like Ooh, that's that's a tall order man you yeah. know yeah yeah you know it's not as easy as you think it is you know
0: that's right yeah <laughs> uh you got van halen next here eruption going into you really got me from 78
1: yeah so well you know there you you hear their word game changer thrown around I mean yeah when I first heard eruption I wasn't sure what I was hearing I thought for a second it might be uh it might be like a keyboard solo or something but it had a guitar tone to it and then I and then it went right into you really got me and I went whoa and then I heard the guitar leader really got me it's like what is this <laughs> I knew I remember I remember the song from the kinks but you know it didn't sound anything like that I mean this was like the kinks on steroids. And I, I think I was listening to '97 Rock at a Buffalo back then, and they because they used to play all that stuff. Canada wouldn't really touch that stuff until it became a hit in somewhere else, and then they then they start playing it. But uh, so then the song ends, is like, yeah, that's uh, that's a new one by Van yeah. And It's like, what what was that? What was <laughs> you know, like, what, that? Like, oh my god! I, you know, now you're stuck. You want to hear it again and. You know, so you're literally not moving from that radio for the next, you know, three, four hours, hoping they're going to play it again. And then I met, made sure I had my cassette ready. And every time the song would start, I press record and play. Okay, that's not it. I'd stop it. And, and you know, okay, here we've got a new And then they, okay, we got the new one from Van Halen. And they went into eruption again. And then I could hear it from start to finish talk about jaw dropping. I mean, whoa, nobody played like that at all, like not even close before that. Like nothing sounded like that, no, you know. No, like it—it it wasn't blues, it wasn't classical. It was—it was like this own his own invention, and you uh, know, with the sound, he had a little phase going on there, and a little bit of echo, a little bit of reverb, and it's poof. And by then, it's nineteen seventy-eight. I'm about fifteen, going on sixteen years old. I couldn't believe it. I go, oh my god, I got to buy this record. So then, you know, you couldn't get the record, you know, every day. I mean, hey, you got the new one by Van Halen? The who? Who? You know? Oh my god. Finally came in, and I just, you know, I just, I couldn't wait to get in on my turntable. And then I was, you know, blown away. Every song was like, you know, like, holy God, listen to the speed on this guy. But not only speed, but clarity. Like, mm-hmm. he could really, he wasn't just, it wasn't just a wash of notes. Like, he could really distinguish the picking. And, uh but what he was playing, is just like, un- unlike anything, you know, now it, you hear so many people have copied them in certain ways over the years. You don't appreciate it. like anybody that's a new guitar player, new fan. They don't appreciate what it was to first hear it, like for, for the very first time, you know. And I was lucky enough to see them on uh, on their first tour there. They opened for Black Sabbath, Niagara Falls Convention Center.
0: That's in so Falls, cool,
1: man. In Niagara, Niagara Falls, New York, and uh, I was about three, four rows right in front of Eddie, and uh, was totally blown away. I think I even mentioned to you before. I think we were talking about Van Halen on uh, on uh, Derek, uh, yeah. Derek's uh, uh sh- a show there. Uh, Scotts on the from, Rocks, yeah, from Thunder Bay. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the you know up until then, you know there was no much there was no much music. There was no MTV, you know, other than like maybe the Midnight Special and in concert mm-hmm. and Don Kirshner's rock concert. You know <clears throat> that was the only time he really got to see a band, like what they look like, how they move on stage, how they interact with each other. Cause you never got to see that. All you would see would be pictures for magazines, Yes, you know, which was circus and hip Raider and cream and rock scene. And, you know, later on metal edge and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, like I worship those magazines and guitar, uh, guitar, Guitar player that was yeah you know, that was way before Guitar World and I had a subscription to that so so I'd look at these pictures but you never could see how they would move you see like they'd be posing for a picture well they weren't posing but they're you know somebody'd be taking a live a live photo of them on stage and you know they but then to see them live the energy that was coming off the stage was unbelievable like at, at no point would anybody on, and, and Ben Halen, would they be standing still? Like mm. they're, they were constantly moving Dave and, and, and Michael Anthony and, and, and Eddie, especially like running around and jumping up and up and down off the marshals and, and the speakers and monitors and running and doing slides. And it's like, Oh my God, look at the energy. These guys are, it's just, it is breathtaking, man. And then, uh, you know, then black Sabbath, you know, Walk waltzes on after, and they just standing there like a bunch of stiffs. They don't, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> you know. Other than Ozzy ch- ch- clapping his hands, come on everybody! That, that would be the extent of the energy, and like, that'd be it, you know. And it's like after Van Halen, it, it, you're looking at like, is this it? So we, I think we we made it about halfway through Black Sabbath, and then we, we just we just left. It's like Did I you? think we, we're. Well, yeah, like I wasn't a big, huge Sabbath fan back then. Wow, you know? wow! I wasn't. No, I did. I didn't. I, you know, I like Sabbath better when Dio joined. I mean, Mob wow. Rules and uh, and Heaven and Hell; those are masterpieces to me. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I liked Black Sabbath, but I never bought any of their records. so I was more into Kiss yeah. and, and, and 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 Zeppelin, and you know, and Boston and stuff like that. But uh, no, they didn't really do it to me. You know. I, I liked the, uh, some of the riffs and stuff like that, but I just, none of my friends were really into it too. So it's, you know, it's a thing too. When you you, you have your group of friends, you're kind of all into the same music, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so we were more in a kiss back then. And, uh, I don't know. I did uh, something about Tony Naomi's mustache and then geezer, butler's mustaches. They, it's like, I don't know, mustaches don't fit in rock, you know. <laughs> it was something that bothered me back then. Now it doesn't matter. Everybody's got facial hair. It's nothing new now. But back then, nobody really had mustaches and stuff like that. You know, that was uh, it's weird how you pick up on stuff like that.
0: <laughs> that's so true, because I thought the exact same thing. When I listened to when I saw pictures of Tony Iommi and Black Sabbath, I thought, oh, who, who that guy's old.
1: <laughs> I know, don't that's what, I mean? what it Yeah. And I thought yeah.
0: Black Sabbath was kind of like for older people. And I never really got into them until much later. That's so funny.
1: Yeah, you start to appreciate it when you start getting a little older. And then, you know, start people's. hey, man, did you ever hear this song by Sabbath? Which one's that? And they put it on. It's like, holy God, that's heavy, man. Oh, yeah. You know, then you really appreciate, you know, the doom and gloom of of, uh, the originators of heavy metal. Yeah. But I was a big, I was a big, uh, like I said, Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. Those two records are, ooh, man. You know that was next level for me. Yeah. So back to Van Halen. Yeah, that's uh, that's a game changer, and that turned a lot of guitar players around. Uh, every, you know, I've, eventually you start seeing a lot of people starting to copy him. which is kind of annoyed me. It's like, ah, come on, man, do your own thing. You know, but uh, it is what it is. It's the natural part of evolution of, of music, right? Something comes, something's great when it comes out. People start picking up on it and try to do their own version of it. But uh, you can't, you can't knock the original man. Uh, eruptions to this day is. Oof, Nobody can touch that. Can you think of any other guitar solos that can touch that solo?
0: No. You know, I always think about, you know, the electric guitar being kind of defined and coming onto the scene. And then Jimi Hendrix came and really brought it to the next level. But then really, I've always thought that Eddie Van Halen, with especially with Eruption, completely redefined the possibilities of what you could do with the electric guitar, and I think I said that to you when we were both on Scotch together. That yeah, like he just completely revolutionized the the instrument. It was it was such a a massive move forward, and I I don't know if that's had been done in the past or has been done since, but I I credit him with being the biggest innovator, really.
1: Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more when you said that about Hendrix because. Hendrix, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you know, like guys like Pete Townsend and Clapton and Jeff Beck and Jimmy mm-hmm. Page are all going, what the hell is this? Like yeah. they're, they're astonished. And these guys are legends. And, uh, and that's what Van Halen was. I don't think anybody until that from Jimmy Hendrix until Van Halen did that on the guitar where you're, everybody's like, wow, yeah. what the heck is this? You know, yeah. Yeah. it's not, I mean, the sound was unbelievable too. I mean, it, you know. Unbelievable guitar sound. I mean, and and that first record, it's not double tracked It's all one guitar. You hear one guitar on one side. You hear the bass on the other side, and that's it. You know, now you hear, you know, you hear big walls of sound. Guys are playing like, you know, they'll they'll play the rhythm track six times. Like if you listen to Randy Rhodes, mm-hmm. he's he's triple tracking, oh. not double track. He's triple tracking. Even his guitar leads, he plays those things three times.
0: Oh, I didn't know so that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you listen to Max Norman. He goes... Well, I want to double track that. Well, oh, I don't know, man. Like you know, and then he'll double track it, and, and and all the vibrato would all be in sync, and then he'll triple track it too. Wow. So yeah. So then you start. So then you have the one up the center, and then you and then you have one guitar, uh, maybe like around eleven o'clock, and you have another one around on one o'clock. So it really gives you a thicker sound, you know. Mm, yeah. And it and it gives a wider sound because it has a natural chorus because this triple track. and Same with his rhythms, you know, they sound huge. But if you listen to Van Halen, that's one guitar and it sounds humongous because, oh. you know, and that's him. I mean, that's all Eddie, man. I mean, uh, he if he if he plugged into your guitar, into your rig, it'll still sound like Van Halen because it's just it's all on the hands. It's just the way he t- attacks the strings and, and everything, you know. So, yeah, man, there, there's a guy that will be sorely missed. Uh, but, he, you know, he set a pretty high bar there, you know.
0: Yeah. There will never be another like him. You know, when you you, you just think about not even eruption, think about before running with the devil, he drags the pick across the the strings behind the nut and and playing uh, his palm muted on the strings. Yep, Uh, Atomic punk, right?
1: yep oh yeah all that stuff and with the phasing and yeah just even what do you do with you know with the tremolo arm or the wango bar or whatever you want to call it right (laughs) like all that stuff that was you know other than when hendrix used to dabble in it but eddie really you know he took it to a whole new level yeah you know it is you know those those dive bombs he would do like I was oh. like, Wow! Listen to that. Yeah, and then all the even just his pick scratching and stuff it was sounded so cool, you know, and all all those pinched harmonics and the squeals and all that stuff. I was like, Holy God! That's yeah. unbelievable, man. Yeah, yeah. So, Cathedral. Yeah, there's
0: a, Spanish fly.
1: Oh, Jesus! Spanish fly. Jesus, are you kidding me? You know, how, he does that on an acoustic. He can still blaze. You know, that's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He did that. Apparently he did that at Ted Templeman's house. He was, they were at a party and he it was in the corner, it was standing in the corner, the acoustic guitar. He just picked it up and started doing that. And Templeman said, well, we got to get this down on tape. And he, and he, he said, I don't know, man, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's what Spanish fly came from. But he, know, he wasn't, it... he wasn't being cocky. He just, you know, was kind of almost like a savant. It was crazy.
1: Yeah. It, it just flowed out of him. I mean, I mean, even I, I, you know, from what I've heard, like he was a classically trained piano player too, and he would, he would, he would win competitions. Like he'd be in first place, and a lot of times he, he wouldn't even properly read the music. He would, he would just memorize the parts on the piano, <laughs> and uh, to learn what it was, and then he would just nail it, you know. And then he got—he is so good at—he'd start improvising and stuff like that, you know, which, which would piss the teacher off. But you know, it'd be like he's like, you know, I don't—I don't like that you're doing that. But I gotta admit, what you're doing is kind of cool. But you shouldn't be doing that in this song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty interesting what you come up with there. You know, because he—he was just like a savant. is a perfect word. I mean, it just—it just came from within. I mean, nobody before that, I mean, you know, when he came out, nobody was going, Oh, he sounds like so-and-so. No, nobody was saying that about Van Halen. He didn't sound like,
0: he didn't sound like anybody, you know, you can't say that about many people. That's crazy. Oh no. Very, very special. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Uh, Vandenberg is next with burning heart.
1: Yep. And there's another one, uh, that stopped me in my tracks. I mean, I mentioned in the past, one of our other few episodes, uh, one of my biggest influences, was Michael Shanker mm, uh, yeah. from, from UFO. I, I, uh, he's a huge influence uh, as, as a guitar player, as a lead guitar player. I worship his records. Uh, what they did with UFO and, and his solo records also. And then uh, when, when Bernie Hart came out uh 1982, I managed to hear it from the the beginning of the song, and I right away it attracted me because it, it starts off slow, but it was in a, like a classical down, 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 down. It's like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I heard this. and then the chorus kicked in. as like this, like wow, I like I like the way that it's now it's, a, it's it's a power, you know. Now it's you consider that a power ballad, but back then a lot of people weren't doing that. You know, in the, in the mid eighties, that became every song, every band had to have a power ballad right but yeah this is this is the one so then when the guitar solo came in it's it's like whoa what am i hearing here it's like a cross between richie blackmore and michael shanker and had the tone but killer vibrato really well thought out guitar solo you could tell he wasn't winging it like he he, this was a pre-planned solo because all the notes fit so perfectly and the solos doesn't sound like but it has the same type of uh, build like a like a stairway to heaven mm-hmm. you know you know the way the song kind of it, it had that same kind of feeling you know like, like it has climbing. sounds nothing yes it has and it sounds nothing like it but it had that same you know type of feel to it and the solo blew my mind like, wow who in the heck is this and the, so then I you know I've gotta buy the record and the whole records like whoa this is my new guitar hero now like, and, <laughs> man this guy who's this guy adrian vandenberg you know it sounds exotic you know it sounds like Dan halen vandenberg man, man. And sure enough he's he's uh i'm pretty sure he's dutch or he's from holland or denmark one of those countries out there and i was a huge fan and uh and then i heard they were coming to buffalo and uh i got my uh, buddy stevie screams from brighton rock and another buddy of mine we gotta go see it man let's get there early before you know it's, it's gonna sell out for sure let's get there the rooftops in buffalo and we get there, the, the doors open at 8, and we were there at 7.30, and it was like, God, I heard anybody here. What's going on, you know? So then we get there, and now it's like it's 8 o'clock, and it's like maybe, maybe at the most 100 people. I'm going, what the heck? And all of a sudden, the bank, I was like, are you kidding me? There's only 100 people? And the, the place holds like 500 people maybe, and there's only 100 people there. And I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. Wow, you know, because I figured everybody would be blown away by this record like me. That's what it, when you're young like that, you think that everybody's feeling the song like you are, and it's not the case. You know, that's why you think these bands. You know, like I thought, Vandenberg were like Led Zeppelin to me. They, they, you know what I mean. They, they were like, oh my god, this is the best band. In, you know, because they're so new and fresh, and and uh, I could. So they came out and they played like it was an arena. They, they didn't hold back, man, and uh, they kicked ass. And uh, the one thing I remember about uh, the singer, even though he sang in English, he couldn't speak English very good. So the guitar player, Adrian, he, he talked between songs. And that, that's, I that was, I found that, found, found that kind of cool. You know, I was like, wow, was that? you know, mm. he's, he's, he's pretty broken English, but I can, he really appreciated being in America for the first time. It sounded like he was, and, uh, you know, I really, really touched my heart, you know, way, how, how humble he was. And that's awesome. Really, really appreciative that we were there. And I felt so, I felt bad, like he didn't have more people. But, you know, on the other hand, it's like, man, these guys are still, you know, still, they're not phoning it in. They're up there, like, just blazing, man. And uh, I'll never forget it. And, and I'm still a fan to, to this day. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, a year or two ago, he put another, he, he got Vandenberg back together with a new singer. Uh, what's that guy? Uh, Romero? I forget the guy's first name there. I don't know. He, uh, I forgot the guy's name. But actually, like, Rainbow got back together about two, three years ago for one little tour. But anyways, uh, they put a you put a record out. and It sounds great. It sounds really really good, man. They had some guest bass players. Rudy Sarzo played in a couple of songs because they they played together with White White, and White Snake and Yeah, but it's a great record, man, and it's it sounds really good too. You know, like a really good pumping record. It sounds fresh. Doesn't sound like a lot really over processed like a lot of bands today now. They kind of yeah. over you know because with pro tools you just have un, unlimited. You know, you can you can just keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding guitars, and you know, you just you get this wall of sound that kind of after a while it's kind of exhausting. And uh, and Vandenberg's approach on the, in that last record was no man, let's strip right back down to one guitar, one bass, and set of drums, and that's all you're hearing. I love, and that. it's re- oh, it sounds so refreshing. It doesn't sound like it's you know they're playing with a click track. Or it just sounds. Sounds like they're playing live off the floor, like the old days, and there's there's an energy there you can't you can't really touch with the when people overdo it in the studio and stuff like that. Like this, so yes, I, I highly recommend that record, man. Check
0: I'm it out. Gonna, I'm going to check that out. I love that. I love that whole ethos of like stripping everything back and just no effects. Because you're right, a lot of the stuff that you hear, especially from you know those types of bands, they often tend to like you know the high they high gloss everything, right? And it's like almost homogenized.
1: Totally. I couldn't agree more, man. It and to me what happens when you got a record like that? For some reason, when it's so huge and fat and humongous and over-processed like that, you, you get you start getting to me. You start getting ear fatigue. Yeah. You, it you can't listen to 10 songs in a row like that. It's just it's just too much. When there's a, if you listen to like the early records, you know, where that's the Faces or whatever, man, it's a lot, it really stripped down. Or you listen oh, to Oh yeah you know, early bad company and stuff like that, it's, there's a, there's an openness and and, and, and you can, you can feel, it sounds live to me. It sounds like we're, we're nowadays, nothing sounds live. It sounds like studio to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It loses that live feel. So yeah. Yeah, So I I, I recommend that one if you ever get a chance. So the, the first one burning hard and the, and the next two records after that, heading out for the storm and, yeah, uh, and it the it storm.
0: storm. Yeah. I had that one as a kid. I loved
1: it. Yeah. What was the one song Friday night? Do, right. do, do, do. yeah, yeah, man. Oh yeah. Not, there's another great guitar solo in that one too, man. He's That's so, right. Oh yeah. 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 There you go. Number that was number four, I believe. We got one more. What is Yeah, it?
0: we got one more. It is Alcatraz Island uh, in the Sun from eighty three.
1: Yeah, and there is another one. Uh the singer, Graham Bonnet, mm-hmm. used to sing with Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, and he actually played with, he well, he did the, the Down to Earth record with Rainbow after Dio left. He replaced Ronnie James Dio. And then he was in, uh, in Michael Shanker's group there uh, after Gary Barden left. That's right. Um, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, he did the he. Remember that song? Uh, She's a great dancer. That's uh, that was um, Graham Bonnet singing. So uh, you know, I was well aware of him, and I used to love that song when in Rainbow. Uh, since you've been gone, since you... So then I heard, yeah, he's got a new record out with his new group, Alcatraz. Oh, okay, I'll check it out. And then as soon as the song started, if you hear, if you remember Islands of the Sun, Island in the Sun, it. Uh, it's with the, you know it's it's the intro, but there's a guitar harmonies, like a lead harmonies right off yeah. the bat. Yeah, and it's and it's like, but really killer vibrato, and it's like, whoa, who, who the heck is that on guitar? <laughs> and then the song starts, and then you know it's like, wow, great song, I love the song, great chorus, well, oh, killer, killer chorus, well, there's a great song, and then the guitar solo kicks in, and this is the first time ever hearing Ingve Malmsteen. It's like, wait a minute, what the heck is this? like the speed was unbelievable and uh like you know much like van halen but a totally different style this is pure classical influence uh uh, from what i understand he was a big uh he was really into classical music but paganini that was the guy was the guy he really uh i think that's a, he was that's a violinist wasn't it peganini
0: uh i believe so yeah 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 he played so really like, s- he played piano scales and uh, on the guitar and and yeah like violin like classical scales
1: yeah and then so what he was playing was like what i was trying to play like you know i would love to but he he could you know he was 10 times better than i could ever play back then to this day he's still unbelievable he's jaw-dropping but you know, you get tired of of the way he plays because it's all the time. It's all it's just it's just too much. But uh, and that's what I love about Alcatraz and anding with Alcatraz because you know he's he's so next level as guitar player, like unbelievable player. He works great within a band. You know what I mean? So he's not blazing from start to finish. So you re- you really appreciate the guitar solo instead of it just being the whole song being a guitar solo which i find with his later stuff it's there's no structure it's all based around his his playing now songs the songs themselves kind of take a back seat it's all built around his guitar playing and uh you know that, to me that gets a little stale after a while you, 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 you're impressed but after a while you're not impressed anymore cuz you you've already it's like okay i get it man they, we you've established that you can play unbelievably fast but does it have to be Every single song, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's, yeah. it'd, be nice, it'd be nice if you played a little, you know, play some slow stuff and then, then do a little flurry, you know, like you appreciate that kind of stuff. But, uh, so back in Alcatraz, you know, he, he had a producer and he had great body had people, older guys saying, Hey man, now's not the time for that. You know, let's just play the song like the way it's supposed to be played. And then when your, you know, your part comes, you can, you could there's your place to shine. Right. And, uh, yeah. So that song, it's, it's still a killer song and it's playing. It just, you know, like I said at the beginning, it's, that one you know it stopped me in my tracks it's like wow i can't believe what i'm hearing you know so yeah so those five those five songs and and, and players really uh they really influenced me a lot i can't say ingvay influenced me as a guitar player because i can't play what he plays he's just he's like a he's in another stratosphere
0: but uh wow maybe the possibility right as a young guitar player listening to because he was quite different and the thing about engbe that i don't like is the exact same thing that you don't like is that when you limit him to you know 24 bars or whatever it is then he dazzles it's like give an inch take a mile like he kind of he, he takes it way too far and after five minutes of him doing that it's like oh god it, it, it has the opposite effect it's not impressive and it's actually irritating and and it's totally. Soulless. It's like a
1: drummer. It's like a drummer that can play fast and does quadruplets, and then for twenty minutes, that's all he does is just doing that. It's like, oh, okay. Is that? Is this all you're going to do for the whole time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. A, or a singer, a singer that has the ability to sing really high. Like, wow, this is how high that guy can sing. And then he chooses to sing only high. You know, he, just, he never sings low anymore. He just wants it. And it's like after a while, it's like, okay, we get it, man. You can sing high, but you know, maybe you know, do some other stuff too. But uh, <laughs> And I love that one quote, uh, you know, I, I said this before in an interview, so bear with me, but, you know, I love the quote Yngwie. he goes, uh, they, they, you know, Engve they, they say that, you know, that sometimes, you know, people think you might overplay. Like, have you ever heard the term less is more? He goes, yeah, I heard that, but more is more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's perfect because that, that that's him basically that's right? him man he's Just defiant doesn't care what anybody else thinks he does no, not play for the song no. he plays for engve yeah yeah
1: yeah and uh and you know I, I gotta give him credit because he's not he's not he doesn't use a lot of effects he's not using tons of echo and uh and weird stuff like he's he's playing that stuff yeah. he's the first he's the first guy i ever heard you know if you hear the term guitar sweeps like, blah, 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 you know those That's stuff right. on the guitar nobody's ever i never heard anybody do that before he uh so when he was doing that i was like how is that even possible when yeah. he's playing like, oh my god you know
0: but he also he, if you look at the neck he plays strats but you look at the neck and the frets are all raised the frets in between like the the, the actual frets themselves are kind of almost hollowed out
1: yeah, I think they call it They're scalloped. Scalloped, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: so it's at, it's actually harder to play, isn't it?
1: Well, the higher for me, the higher the strings are, the harder it is to play fast.
0: Yeah, because of the action, and you have to. Play.
1: The action's too high, so I don't know how he does that, man. But he's he's a freak of nature. There's <laughs> that the guy's a freak of nature, you know. It's it's yeah, it's it's hard to fathom how he does. It's you know. Like there's a guy that's jaw dropping, you know, It's yes. like, wow. Yeah. But like we said, after a while, it gets a little old. I, I wish somebody would, you know, somebody go, hey man, you know, I, I know you're only playing clubs. If you want to, you know, why don't you play with this band for one record, make one record with this producer, somebody that can kind of put some restraints on him and let him, you know, I would love that. Just one record, you know, but he just, he's just too set in his ways and, you know, God bless him, man. You know, whatever makes him happy, you know,
0: yeah, he's a talented player. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, thank you very much. That was a great list. It was a good chat. The next time I talk to you, I believe, my friend, will be later this month, because we're doing Scotch on the Rocks again together.
1: Yes, indeed. And I believe, should should we? No, we better not unveil what we're talking about, eh? I don't want
0: to. It's up to you. I think there's a couple of of surprises. So the surprise, the album that we're going to be talking about, we will not unveil it okay uh i don't i don't think we should i don't um but then there's also going to be other special guests yes yes
1: that's just who they are, are are some legends man there's some canadian legends right now so they're gonna be there'll be four of us and it's gonna be a great show and i believe it's november 24th it or I,
0: I think it's the 24th yeah yeah
1: 24th which is a thursday well that's when we're, that's when we're doing the interview i don't know if it's gonna be released that same day but uh you know, sometimes you know we get a little too drunk in our in our in our interviews, so you got to
0: do some heavy <laughs> editing, you know? some editing.
1: You know, I didn't mean to say that, man. Take that out. Oh my god.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, this this is gonna be a good one too. You know, this uh, I like getting together with all these guys. It should be a good time. You know, and Derek's always a great guy to talk to. You. As you are, Brent, you're always a pleasure to talk to, you, man. And you. And, uh, And I I really appreciate every time you have me on. And, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for even thinking of me in the first place. You know, it's uh so anytime in the future, you know, you can always count on me. Yep. uh, You know, I'll definitely come back on and we'll talk about whatever you want, man.
0: For sure. Oh, dude, it's it's a privilege having you on. And I love our chats. We've always had great chats. This is like your fourth time on the show. I hope you come back again, man, because I I love doing this.
1: Yeah, anytime, man. For sure. Anytime
0: all right okay i will talk to you on the 24th uh, stay on with me i'm just going to close the show up hang on absolutely all right this has been no sleep till sudbury with brent jensen and my very special guest mr greg Fraser. until next time folks take good care brent jensen is the best-selling author of no sleep till sudbury leftover people and all my favorite people are broken all titles available in stores and on amazon worldwide